the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in, we'll chat, and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Lots going on. Record earnings in the second quarter has propelled the stock market to record highs. There's no mistaking the disposition on the market. It seems to be positive which ultimately means major indices are primed to head higher until we get some volatility or just, you know, meh, like somebody blows out numbers and there's no response. Or I guess it's market winners and losers, but it just feels everyone is moving very, very fast. When you see a company like a Boeing go up 15% um, in 10 days, you're like, whoa, that's quite a move. Uh, August is here. January, February, March, April, May, June, July. Ooh, we are closing in on the end of the year now. Uh, have you maxed out your 401k? That's always a good question. Have you maxed out your 403b or 457? If you're a 403b owner, do you feel bad that I don't acknowledge you as much as I acknowledge 401k people? Um, hope not. China has got some readings recently that were stronger than expected. U.S. has better earnings than expected. Ding, ding. Both very positive, right? Um, Eurozone GDP showed some momentum. Ding, ding, ding. It's like winner, winner, winner. It's kind of like nice. There we go. Come on down. Winning, winning. You're the next contestant. Um, so earnings are good. Market participants are sniffing the prospect of progress on tax reform. There's a little talk on that. Ongoing buying momentum in large-cap blue-chip stocks. Um, There's a copious amount of news on yesterday's big news that Anthony Scaramucci, the mooch, got fired, offered his resignation to the White House Communications Director. Um, Just 10 days into the role. That's crazy. 
this is a uh it's an interesting time to be a political commentator of which I am not so I will not Chief of Staff John Kelly, he's got a long military background, should ensure that the White House operates in a tighter, more disciplined manner. That's the thought. I did a show once with uh, John Kelly. We were both on a show being interviewed, and uh, he was an interesting dude. So, pretty hardcore. I remember one of the things that he said was, uh, you know, we can go into Iraq and uh, whip their butts, uh, but no way could we do that in North Korea. They, they dig themselves in. And you're like, whoa. Ooh. Ooh. So we got a lot going on on Wall Street right now. Um, and it's mostly positive, And that it doesn't make me nervous. But I'm there. I'm considerate of it. And, you know, we are playing with a big number. Dow 22,000. Um, not that long ago... And I remember this very, very clearly. I've been working for a television station for over 15 years, which is a long time. Um, I've seen a lot of people come and a lot of people go. And you've got news directors who are unbelievable in news, right? Just unbelievable. And they're able to do breaking news. If there's a fire that kills people, they're able to do that jump in on it, you know, work it, work it, work it. And uh, I remember the Dow hit a big number. I want to say it was 12,000. It, it was, no, I don't know. Maybe it was 18,000. Okay, so it was 18,000, and then it was 19,000, and then it was 20,000. And these are all big numbers, right? And my news director got a little... Uh, it was back in 2012, I remember. It was down 12,000, right around there. And he came to my desk. He's like, hey, can you come on the news tonight and talk about Dow 12,000? I'm like, it's just a number. Now keep in mind, in the 2006, 7, 8, uh, early 2009, when the Dow bottomed at roughly 77,000, 7,060, it feels pretty dramatic, right? There was a lot of selling, a lot of negative, and then there was a lot of buying, and it comes to my desk right around Dow 12,000, because it goes from 7,000 to 12,000, basically, in um, four years, three years, Uh, and he says, it's a big number, let's talk about it tonight on the show, and I was a bit of a jerk, a bit of a Richard, because this was six, seven years ago, I was just younger, right, and I was like, it's just a number, and I don't want to say his name. It's just a number. He goes, okay. And so he puts me on, and the anchor's like, Dow 12,000, pretty big day, huh? I'm like, no, it's just a number. Like That may mean Boeing went up three points or four points, or maybe Microsoft went up. And a lot of people don't own the Dow 30, Dow Jones Industrial Average 30. And I, I caught flack, and I felt bad because I was being a bit of a jerk. And I guess now we should celebrate big round numbers. Keep in mind the market doubles every 7.2 years. And... I'm kind of bland to that. I'm kind of meh to that. So we've seen the Dow make a pretty nice move. Um, going from 7,000 to 22,000 almost. Um, it hasn't been a straight shot up, but that's where we're tickling it kind of thing. Um, 
And in the last couple of years, and again, it's funny that people look at gambling or investing as gambling. A lot of people say, oh, I don't do that. That's gambling. And it really shows me you, you haven't gotten off your butt recently, have you? Um, because what it does is it goes up, you know, uh, basically every five years from 1989 to 1992, from 92 to 96, 96, uh, it topped out in around 2000 and then it went down for three years, but then it went up for seven years and then it went down for two years and now it's gone up essentially, I'm not going to say nonstop, but eight years. It's been an eight-year bull market, and it's hitting all-time highs. And does that sound like eight straight years of hitting highs is gambling? I can tell you what. I can last at a poker table. I don't play poker. I can last at a blackjack table, and I've played blackjack maybe seven times in the last ten years. I can last at a blackjack table, uh, I don't know, not very long, you know, two hours, three hours. Not eight years. It's not gambling, people. And if you think it is, then you're you're hurting yourself. And that's like my brother. I have big brothers. I had four big brothers. And uh, as a six-year-old, seven-year-old, eight-year-old, that grabbed my hand and like that slapped my face. And they would go, "Why are you hitting yourself? Why are you hitting yourself? Why are you hitting yourself?" Um, and that's the same exact thought, in my opinion, when we're talking about uh, people who look at investing as gambling. Investing is a to me, a complement to capitalism. You take a look at capitalism and you go, um, I get it. People get hired when business is good. People get fired when business is bad. That's the simplest. Um, so that's where I'm going with that. So a lot of news out there. Uh, we can hit some of it if you want to. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW on the iHeartRadio. Rob Black now. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back again. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. KDOW's got a new slate of shows that run from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. Monday through Friday. It's basically myself doing stock talk on Mondays and Thursdays, and CFP Chad Burton doing uh, financial talk, uh, getting to the wealth, creating the wealth, and uh, managing the wealth that you need. So CFP Chad Burton, here's a clip from his show today. You've really got to put your overall situation through these tests to make sure that you are ready to retire. Because one of the toughest conversations our planners have is when people do pull the trigger on retirement because they get to a certain number. Like, 
you know, they, a million or two million or three million or five million, whatever it is. And that was their number, but they didn't really do any planning on top of it. And because of their expenses, they're not done. They're not ready to retire or because of tax situations. So these tests assume, first of all, that you've done a really good job of knowing what your expenses are, your non-discretionary and discretionary expenses. In other words, you have expenses that are required to put your food on the table and keep the lights on in your house. But then you have items that are going to get you out of bed in retirement. You know, your entertainment, your golfing, your travel, you know, philanthropy, whatever it is, what are those numbers? So let's assume you've done a good job of that. What else can you do? First of all, the first test that you do is a linear cash flow model. And what I mean by that is that there's nothing that's a straight line in finances. The, the stock market is often a you know, three steps forward, one step back type of a process. So when you have average return of 11% on stocks, first of all, you're not all stocks in retirement. You're bonds and cash and international emerging markets and real estate and things like that. So it's not a straight line. Also, inflation, if you run your inflation numbers at 26 to 3%, it's not a straight line either. Usually it's a stair-step process where every three years or so people are like, hey, can I make an adjustment? And you have to say, okay, well, are your returns on track? Are your expenses on track? Is your net worth on track? And if everything's on track, yeah, make that adjustment. If not, no, hold that off. So your linear cash flow test is can your portfolio survive on a 5.5% rate of return with 3% inflation and get you to age 100? Now, why do I use that number? Well, first of all, we just went through that number. If you look at the last 10 years, which includes the top of the market in 2007, if you look at any balanced fund, if it was balanced fund based in the U.S. of U.S. stocks and bonds, the return is somewhere around 5.5%. But most people still have some international exposure. So if you look at any 50-50 or 60-40 type of global allocation fund that kind of rebalanced annually over the last 10 years, your return's around 5% on those types of funds. So you have to say, what if I go through a period of in retirement where the first decade or two is slower low growth like we just went through? So how, how does that look? That's a test that you've got to put yourself through. So 5.5% rate of return, 3% inflation. Now, you say, well, 3% inflation, that's, not, that's a lot based on the last decade. Well, it is based on your normal expenses, but healthcare costs run at about 6% inflation in retirement. So that's test number one. How does that look? When do you run out of money? Test number two is you've got to find your risk number and your six-month tolerance for pain when it comes to both stress-testing stocks and bonds for interest rates. Now, you can do that on our website. If you go to newfocusfinancial.com or, or chadburton.com, there is a what is your risk number. And it's a, a process that you can take to even get a uh, eventually do a portfolio review, which will show you with a 95% probability what your returns can be over the next six months. Now, it's a wide range from a large negative number to a large positive number because it looks at underlying assets and standard deviations and things like that to find your portfolio, what it will likely do versus what your risk can do. And the reason why you have to do that, what is your risk number test, is because most financial planning mistakes and investing mistakes are made when people panic. They, they cash out when their fear level is the highest, which they should be buying. And if you do that, you turn paper returns into real returns. In other words, paper losses into real losses. Like if you would have cashed out in 2008 or 9, 
you, you probably got decimated because you didn't just get this last run-up that we went through. So that's another test that you have to take, your risk tolerance. Number three, you have to have three years' worth of portfolio draws in safe money, in cash-type investments, CDs, high-yield, uh, FDIC-insured money markets or credit unions. That helps you get through market uh, tough market cycle. So you got to figure out what your three years worth of portfolio draws number. Not three years of expenses, but three years worth of portfolio draws. So it's your gross expenses minus Social Security, pensions, uh, you know, dependable income. So you have to make sure that you have that ready. The test number four then is a Monte Carlo simulation. And what this does is it takes your certain scenario as well as your actual current investments and it runs it through thousands of different variations of returns. And the order of returns is very important when it comes into retirement because you could retire uh, in the, the during a bull market and then the later years of retirement be in more of a slow growth or a bear market when you're drawing the most out because of inflation. And that can be very tough on your, your results. Um, so Monte Carlo simulation will, will take... Here's the averages of your underlying investments and the standard deviation. In other words, the simple way to put it is kind of the highs and lows, underlying risks, things like that, and run it through thousands of different simulations. And you want to make sure you have a 85% probability of success or more. Now, if you didn't have the three years worth of portfolio draws and safe money, 85% wouldn't be enough in my opinion. But the Monte Carlo simulation doesn't really give um, you know the order returns with a withdrawal strategy. So 85% plus the uh, previous test that I mentioned, you should be okay in the long run. The next test you want to do is a tax test. And this is where you really get into cash flow simulations and say, what are the best accounts to draw from today? And you also do things like modeling Roth conversions to max out your lower brackets. What that means is from the date of retirement, let's say that's 65 through age 69, you might be doing partial Roth conversions where you take some of your money from your IRA, convert it to your Roth, pay the taxes so that you have tax-free growth in the future. And also this will show you at age 70 and a half what happens to your tax bracket when you're forced to pull money out of your retirement accounts. So the tax test is number five. And then number six, you got to go through a long-term care simulation. And that says if you or your spouse goes into a nursing home or assisted living facility for five years, what happens to your portfolio if you're single? What happens to your spouse if you're married? And this is something that you have to do because you got to come up with a plan B. That's either long-term care insurance or it's reverse mortgages so that you can get through that period of time. And you need to know what's going to happen to your portfolio. You've got to talk to your family about it. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. On the iHeartRadio app. Shovels and dirt, 
Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Record highs on Wall Street. It's good times. It's also a good time to check in with Patrick O'Hare, briefing.com, who can give us some market strategy and insights into what he's seeing and feeling. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? Hey, Rob. Yeah, I'm doing well. Thank you. How about yourself? Doing very, very well. And if I can get eight more years of a bull market, I could probably fully retire and, and uh, have some money left over at the end. It's been a good eight years, hasn't it? Yeah, there's no question it has been if if you've been, you know, fully invested here um in the right areas, of course, but uh most things have certainly gone up, you know, with the uh with the QE tide and also with the uh, with the earnings tide uh to boot. So, it has been a very good uh, period and uh it's been a, a strong bull market. Very good. Um taking a look as I always do at your page one column uh, that starts my day at briefing.com, it's briefing.com. Something I've been using it for over 15 years, which is insane to me. It's too consistent. Um, everything seems to be going the way of the market right now. You have U.S. hitting highs on earnings. You've got good inflows in the stock market, which could push the market higher. You've got China doing well. You've got Europe doing good in their economic data. Um, by and large, you know, Boeing up 15% in two weeks. It seems insane because, like, Boeing used to go up, like, you know, 4% a year or 5% a year, and it took 52 weeks to get there. Um, is the good news going to end? Is the party uh, built on quality good news? Is the party built on poor quality good news? Yeah. Well, if we just um, take the fundamental principle that earnings is the ultimate driver of the equity market, uh, you can make the case that uh, this reporting period has been filled with a lot of quality uh, earnings news. Uh, and I say that based on the understanding that uh, that revenue growth has, has come through pretty good for, uh, for S&P 500 companies. And, um, and, and you're not seeing, you know, just share buyback activity or reduced tax rates um, or expense savings drive the bottom line. It's actually the top line that's driving it uh, because of those past actions, because companies have taken initiatives in the past to reduce their cost structure, and now you're, you're seeing stronger revenue growth these days, and it's flowing right to the bottom line, and so you're getting really good, really good earnings growth. Um, of course, there's always some doubts about whether this market has, has gotten ahead of itself, just given where we are uh, on a real economic basis, um, that uh, the goings-on for the real economy seemingly don't necessarily support uh, the scope of the gains we've been seeing, but the the, the fundamental takeaway for stock investors anyway is that because the real economy is not um, hitting that escape velocity speed that we'd all like to see, you still have low interest rates. And given your introduction here, Rob, I mean, you can see that, yeah, a lot of things are going the market's way. You have stocks rising to record highs, but if we look this morning, look at what interest rates are doing. They're going down. And why are they going down? Well, because today's economic data was, uh, was not all that stellar. So, I'm not going to say where do we go from here, but um, it seems like they, you know the White House isn't messing things up on Wall Street, even though in the past it certainly could have. Um, there's now talks of potentially some tax reform potentially happening. Some Democrats are starting to make a little bit of noise on that. Um, is there another leg up uh, if things don't get hit with you know an ugly stick? 
<laughs> Excuse me. Um, I, I hate I hate to be so greedy and continue to talk about how great it is and can't go up further. But you know that that little hint at some tax reform is like, geez, that the market could get some juice out of that. Well, you know, yeah, I think I think it could, um, and you know, it might be a good segue. I know we talk about sometimes, you know, what I'm going to be working on, uh, okay. and, and one of the you know ideas I think I'm going to uh, explore this week for my big picture column is this piece of uh, what I would call unconventional wisdom, and that being this notion, perhaps, that tax reform is the thing that kills the bull market. Um, and really what I'm driving at there is that, yeah, you could see you know another leg higher uh, if we get a tax reform effort or plan passed, um, but that ultimately will probably awaken more animal spirits, uh, and I think it will get the Fed's attention uh, because the Fed has been somewhat reticent to raise interest rates here without any uh, fiscal stimulus in the mix. And so if you get that fiscal stimulus, we should see much, you know, you know, conceivably should see stronger economic growth, stronger inflation, and I think a Fed that could potentially be worried that it's behind the curve gets a little bit more hawkish uh, in that scenario and starts to raise interest rates more aggressively. And that that is the idea that potentially could kill the bull market uh, based on uh, any type of tax reform plan. But that's not to say that you couldn't get a nice move initially based off you know a tax reform. Uh, coming to fruition, uh, but I think it will create some problems down the road uh, if it ultimately invites uh, faster and sharper rate increases from the Fed. So Greenspan is saying today that there is a bubble, and instantly I, I focus in on that story, um, but he's saying it's a bubble in bonds. What does a bubble in bonds mean to you? I'm not really exposed personally to bonds, and I tend to tell people be careful having too much because you limit your upside, but you protect your downside. And when you're younger, you should have a little more risk, in my opinion. What are your thoughts on the bond market and maybe not knowing what Greenspan said, but maybe you have a thought or two? Right. Well, I mean, ironically, probably the market's um, getting some help from Greenspan's contention that there's a bubble <laughs> because, okay. you know, it's harkening you- back probably to his irrational exuberance quote for the stock market, you know, back in the late 90s, which, or mid-90s, I think it was, and he ultimately saw another three or so years following that um, that remark of, of great performance. But, you know, that point aside, I think, you know, when you look at, at, at the Treasury market and, um, and government bonds, I mean, it's you know, there is a safety valve, I suppose. I mean, you're not going to get much in terms of, of you know, interest rate return. Uh, you will have your principal protected, of course. So I think a lot depends on, you know, really what one's uh, cash needs are, what their risk tolerances are. Um, uh, but if, if you, you know, if you're going to hold your bond to, to maturity, um, you know, Probably should be okay, but you know there is some price risk wrapped up here in in, in the bond market. Certainly, given how how much demand there has been uh, throughout this eight year bull market for stocks, um, you've also had you know a tremendous bull market here for for treasuries that's not gone on just for eight years, but has really gone on for you know over thirty years for that matter. So um, you know, so time horizon is is going to be key for a lot of people when they look at their their bond holdings and whether they need to uh, liquidate them before. Or their maturity period. Sounds like a lot of activity going on on your computer. Anything going? Uh, anything being noteworthy? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think you know one of the things that has stood out here of late, you know, is we've all been talking about how the Nasdaq composite, 
you know, has been going gangbusters here, running to record highs. But, but so too has the Dow Jones Industrial Average. And as you alluded to, Robin, with Boeing having just a phenomenal, um, you know, move in its stock here since it reported earnings. And even prior to that, um, it's interesting to me that really, you know, over the last three months, uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average has actually done better than the NASDAQ Composite. And, uh, and I think, you know, perhaps starting to see a little bit of a broadening out of, of the buying interest, which is not, you know, which is certainly a good thing to see. Um, you know, tech stocks have driven that NASDAQ higher. And, uh, and I think as they sort of come in a bit on some profit taking activity, it's, it, it's good to see that money is, is rotating within the market as opposed to out of the stock market if you have a bullish, you know, orientation here. And, uh, and I think that's what we're, we're seeing and why you're seeing some of these large cap blue chip issues start to perk up here while some of the mega cap technology stocks are stalling or somewhat uh, pulling back. <laughs> so giving you the last couple minutes to wrap this up and throw out any other things that you want to throw out, I, I'm seeing oil kind of as a, a, it should be a negative. It's holding under 50. That's showing me that the world demand's not going crazy or there's too much supply. Um, I'm seeing low interest rates and they're not going to change too quickly. Um, I'm seeing record profits. I see people chase after stocks because the record profits are also hitting at record stock market prices. You've got an administration that's not getting a lot done, so I use the word gridlock, which in the past has been pretty good, even though we see the deficit continue to climb. Um, What else do we need to talk about? Like, What else can we hit upon that, that, that can make investors a little wiser? Well, you know, the, I mean, there's, the market is sporting a, a full valuation. You know, some would say it's it's actually high. You know, it's, it's above historical average. And then, of course, the counterpoint to that is that, well, interest rates are below historical average. And because rates have remained low, you uh, you basically can draw uh, support here in terms of equity valuations, which is why, as I hearkened at the back of the at the top of the interview, that if you get a you know big jump in interest rates, that's going to create some problems here. I think for this bull market. So um, I think Goldman put out a note yesterday, even talking about this this understanding that um, uh, the ten year return period for stocks uh, when they're starting at a valuation as high as they are right now is is not really good. It's very low. And if not, you know, negative. Uh, so, so I think investors need to be conscientious about, you know, the companies they're buying, and particularly if they're buying the index, uh, and, and recognizing that they could be facing a period of low returns here, since they are buying it at a, you know, elevated uh, valuation level uh, versus its historical average. Sounds good. Thanks very much. Um, summer's coming to an end. I appreciate your efforts and your work. People should check you out at briefing.com. It's Patrick O'Hare. I've been reading his, his content for years, and it's an honor to chat with him. You can find him at briefing.com. You can find me at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. Always good content. Thanks for listening. Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Join the conversation. 800. 
800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. A stock that I've liked in the past is struggling. It's a company called Under Armour. Now, I've always said, to give me a break, that you know Nike's the king. Now, Under Armour was the kind, the guy who was up and coming. And you typically get wealthy investing in the king versus investing in the guy who's going to overthrow the king. So sometimes you can buy both. Um, athleisure, Lululemon, uh, Nike uh, is going after athleisure. People look good in athleisure. <clears throat> um, so Under Armour shares are falling slightly. Let me take a quick look because this was all a little bit earlier. Um, and let's see if I got it. Um, so Under Armour obviously is cutting part of their workforce. And that'll be interesting of note. Stock has fallen, Under Armour has fallen under $17. So it is hitting some new lows or it's retesting very close to those lows. As of yesterday's close, Under Armour shares have tanked about 49% over the past 12 months. Uh, Stock's down more than 30% for the year. It's pretty rough. Um, Should you buy it now? I will wait till you see revenues increase. Now they've cut their revenue growth from... 11 to 12% to 9 to 11%. Um, so take it for what it's worth. I don't know if I have a good answer for you. Uh, the average tenure of a homeowner who sold in the second quarter this year came in at just over eight years. That's the longest since 2000 when data you know, started began tracking the metric. During the latest housing boom back in the 2000s, mid-2000s, the average homeownership tenure was around four years. So... People are staying a little bit longer in the hot, 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 hot market. The average tenure of a homeowner who sold in the second quarter um, came in at just eight years. Home values recently hit a record high. Um, Add price gains to increase tenure, and home sellers are now seeing the greatest returns in 10 years. For those who sold in the second quarter this year, they saw an average profit of about $51,000. That's a 26% return. Sellers uh, regionally saw the biggest profits in San Jose with a 75% return, San Francisco 65%, Seattle with 63%, Modesto, California with 62%, and Denver with 62%. As with everything else, local dynamics uh, play a huge role in real estate. Um, You know, if you take a look at real estate markets that are major with populations of at least a million, those with the highest share of all cash sales were Raleigh, North Carolina at 57%, Miami at 46%, Detroit at 45%, Oklahoma City at 44%, Tampa, St. Pete at 43%. Those markets see an outsized share of both investors and foreign buyers, and they tend to favor cash. Starbucks is doing something slightly interesting. Um, They're doubling down. So Google does very little business in China. McDonald's has agreed to sell its business and license its name there. Uh, Coca-Cola, after investing heavily, is selling its bottling unit there. So what does Starbucks do? They basically double down, and they're doing a good job of it. Um, If you consider the statistic from their recent uh, quarterly report, it's pretty ambitious. Starbucks has opened more than 500 stores 
a year there, which amounts to more than one new store a day. Starbucks is creating some 10,000 jobs in China annually. In Shanghai alone, there's 600 stores. To give you a perspective, New York City has about half as many as Shanghai does. New York City! <laughs> Let's see if we can get a Shanghai drop, because that's going to be a little bit tougher to pull off. Don't! Um, Oil majors are seen as very vulnerable right now, in large part because oil isn't going anywhere fast. It harkens back to that horrible song from Streets of Fire. You and me, we're going nowhere slowly, but we should be going nowhere fast. Um, BP, British Petroleum, sees Brent at 45 to $55. Shell has a lower forever mindset. And energy stocks are the worst performers of the Morgan Stanley Country Index in 2017. Um, energy stocks um, have high dividend yields, and that's a signal that shareholders fear a cut in payouts if they're underperforming. They've dogged oil producers, uh, turning some investors away from the sector. So we'll see if uh, the big oil can continue to f- fight the fight, so to speak. Facebook bought a artificial intelligence startup that could turn its virtual assistant into a Siri killer is the thought. Facebook's virtual assistant, which goes by the name of M, hasn't quite delivered on the promise of life-changing artificial intelligence. <laughs> Doesn't it always seem like that? Oh, no, it's Hal. That's not Hal. Um, but Facebook and virtual assistants, and, you know, my phone's getting better every year, and I've got the operating system 11, and I'm testing it out. For Apple that's due out in the fall. And there's some cute little things in it. Um, a much better command center. And that's kind of nice. And the command center is that part of your phone that has a little uh, button that's, that's uh, recessed. And you slide your thumb up on it. Um, it now has, when you do that, you can put, if you like a, if you like to put your phone on low power and things like that, you can do a lot more with it. Uh, you'll see. So it's coming out. So virtual assistants. Uh, when you swipe to the right, you tend to see it on Apple, like your upcoming calendar and things along those lines. Um, Facebook announced the acquisition of small artificial intelligence startup that will be folded into Facebook's messaging app. I can't get into Facebook's messaging app. I just can't do it. Uh, I, I just, I, too much. I, I call quit. Um, I'm taking my ball. I'm going home. Speaking of taking my ball and going home, you can find me online at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. Got a big event coming up. Um, and you can sign up for it by going to robblackshow.com, robblackshow.com. The event is $25. It's September 9th in San Rafael. You can sign up for the Retirement Income Strategies and Estate Planning event from 10 to noon. It's the only time I'll be in Marin this year. Four points by Sheraton. When you're there at the website Rob Black Show, you can use the code RADIO25 to get in for free. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.